All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. Ready? This is the Louisiana Saturday Night Podcast, and this is Robert and April. Welcome back, everybody. Don't listen to her. She's late as usual. So while we're not on time, taking your time in there. Look at all that makeup you got on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I was audio ready, just so you know. Just so you can go to bed later. I, I wasn't video ready, but I was audio ready. Mm. That's your fault. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know where to begin. Well, I mean, I've got it. I can open. Oh, yeah? What you going to open? I just had a little message. Oh, because um, I know we still have a, a well, we have a listener, Patricia, and and I know that you still listen, Patricia, and that's fine, because this podcast is for everybody, and um, I certainly wish you well, and I hope um, the best for you. I hope you walk in love and light, and I just want you to know that from the bottom of my heart, that I think that you are. A thunder cunt. Damn. How you really feel? What's up, Jamie? So, I just had to get that off my chest. Of course, I'm not talking about anybody named Patricia, so. Well, tonight we're going to talk about some serious shit. So, I know the past couple uh, podcasts we got into um, the racial thing and the police and political. And, you know, we was arguing with my sister-in-law, your sister. Now y'all had a really good debate. Yeah, I mean, we weren't arguing. We were just going back and forth debating. But um, seems to invalidate my, my point of view because I'm not a minority, so to speak. So I decided tonight we're going to have a minority on the podcast because despite everyone's you know what they think? I'm not racist. I like a black person, just one. Um, <laughs> his name's Demond Harris. Welcome, Demond. Thank you, thank you, April and Rob, for having me once again on the wonderful Louisiana Saturday Night. So let me give a little, uh, like that. a little backstory. Case those those of you who don't know, listen, maybe for the first time. Uh, Damon is a longtime friend of mine. Um, my brother, we met in Marine Corps. Oh my God, twenty, Jesus Christ, twenty five, twenty six years ago, nineteen ninety three, and that's how long we've uh, we've known each other. Um, God damn, I don't, <laughs> when you fucking say it, old man, you say it out loud, you know, <laughs> shit. Damn, we old. But uh, yeah. So I want to have Damon on and get his uh, his opinion on everything and his point of view because Damon is a, a an oddity, a rarity today. Um, he is a black conservative and a Trump supporter. So Damon, why are you racist? Why are you a white supremacist? First of all, do you know you're black? 
Is it? This isn't yep. one of those Clayton Bixby <laughs> things, is it? Like you don't know you're black. No. <laughs> <laughs> of of course I do. Um, you know, the main thing I see with the problem is is going on is just that if you are a person of color, you are not supposed to have your own opinions or views on anything. You're supposed to go with whatever the majority wants, and if you don't go with with the majority of those person of colors wants, of course you are. You they call you a coon, they call you Uncle Tom, they call you a sellout, they call you a Stevens. So you know that's that's the the crime we're in right now in this nation. You can't have your own opinions, you know. A Stevens, I've never. What the hell is that? I've never heard that. You, no, you you seen the movie Django? Yeah. Oh, Stevens. Sam, Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God damn. Yeah, <laughs> motherfuckers are ruthless. <laughs> like I'd have never caught that. Yeah. Like Stephen, what, what's like what's wrong with Stephen? Okay, all right, <laughs> damn. So, also, uh, you're a Trump supporter. You're conservative, but you're also a police officer. Yes. How long have you been a police officer? Oh, I made twenty three years in October. Oh, you old motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, shit. We I got out the Marine Corps in January '93. I came on the police department October of '93. I mean '97. I'm sorry, '97. Yeah, I started in in May. January '97. Yeah, I started May '97 at the Sheriff's Office. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what? What do you? What do you say? Okay, so let me give you some 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 background about the the main things that me and my sister law go around around about. So I love her to death. If we have good discussions, now we do. Uh, used to, we'd get into arguments, but now we've learned to communicate. And so it's been some lively discussions, actual debate. Yes. Um, she is, of course, a liberal um, all the way. Bless her heart. She loves uh, Ocasio-Cortez, whatever the hell name is, her name is, thinks she should be president. Um, Say what? Yeah. <laughs> She thinks Trump is racist. Trump's terrible. Um, but we got into a discussion about about um, about race, and so it was hard for me to give a point of view where, like, she would take it as a valid argument because I'm not black. Mm-hmm. So, won't you tell us about your experience growing up in New Orleans as a black man? And does it fit along the lines of what the narrative is with the Democratic Party? Oh, I, I grew up, of course, black in New Orleans, in uh, Algiers on Henby Court in the Fisher Project, which is no longer gone, which is no longer standing there. Um, I really didn't see. You know, when I think about it and I think about coming up as a child, I had white friends, I had Asian friends. So I really didn't see racial issues, you know, growing up in New Orleans. Because I guess New Orleans is just, uh, it's is different from the rest of the nation as far as uh, race relations. Because everybody is blended with, mm-hmm. you know, other ethnicities, you know. Um, when it comes from the French, the Spanish, uh you had your African influence, uh, your Italian influence, your Cajuns, you know. Um, but I really, 
I really didn't see it. And I I don't think that what's going on right now in the world is, I, I think it's kind of exaggerated, to be honest with you, as far as what's going on. It's, it's really exaggerated. Mm-hmm. You know, people try to make it out to be, uh, like I, I, got, I got in a debate with somebody the other day and uh, was saying that black men, Males from the ages of, I believe it's, don't quote me on this, let's see, uh, 14 to 30, those ages are responsible, that's 6% of the population, but that 6% of the population is responsible for 50% of the homicides in a nation. And somebody told me, oh, that's because they live in close proximity of each other. I said, wait, you're telling me that homicides are attributed to the close proximity of people living together. He said, yeah, because when people live close to each other, you know, um, they, they, they kill each other and do violence. I said, so he says, it has nothing to do with gangs. It has nothing to do with drugs. It has nothing anger or anything like that. Uh, illiteracy or anything like that. You're just saying it's close proximity. So, you know, it's, I guess that was his uh, cop-out excuse, you know. Well, then how come you don't that. see the same... Um, numbers, like let's say, like in the Asian community, you know, you don't see a bunch of mm-hmm. you don't see Asian males killing each other or in jail, committing crimes. But yet, if you look at the Asian community, they mostly live just amongst each other. So I don't see mm-hmm. how that argument Absolutely. holds up. Yeah, yeah. or Absolutely. like apartment complexes, Absolutely. everybody would be taking everybody out. Yeah. You would think. Absolutely. What you say? Mm-hmm. Let's zoom. walking in and give me a French fry. <laughs> Robert Abel say, hey. Hey. Yeah. Miss June. Hey. So yeah. what, what, what do you say to someone that says, Damon, growing up, um, you didn't have the same opportunities to become what you have achieved today. Someone had to give it to you. What do you say? What do you say to that, to that argument? I mean, I call it bullshit because I grew up poor. I grew up, I didn't know I was poor, but when I look back at it, I was poor. I mean, I went to the store with food stamps. We had the, uh, the big block of cheese. We had the powdered milk. I mean, I grew up poor and my, I come from, I'm, I'm probably the, only per, I'm gonna say my immediate family, not you know, yeah, you know, stopping at my little brother, yeah, that has not been to jail in my family. Mm-hmm. My cousins, my uncles, my aunts, everybody in my family's been to jail, and my grandmother had it to where she was like, that was not gonna be for me. So of course, when I became of age and I became seven, you know, when I was seventeen, she pushed me towards, you know, going into the military and doing stuff with myself, and. You know, you'd always hear people say, oh, ain't a place for a black man and a white man's army and all this and that. But like I said, I'm going to say the Marine Corps was good to me. The Marine Corps made me the man I am today. And if it wasn't for the Marine Corps, I probably would have fell down that rabbit hole, you know, and, you know, ended up in and out of jail and everything like that. I mean, everybody has the same opportunities. It's just that people just don't capitalize on those opportunities. Or some people just don't want to do it. A lot of people that I see these days, a lot of these kids... <clears throat> they want stuff given to them. They don't want to earn anything. They don't want to work hard for nothing. And that's the problem. And I mean, with the with the Marine Corps building, you know, being a building block on my life. I mean, I've got out. I 
never wanted to be a police officer. I got out, fell into this job. I was good at it. And I've got two college degrees. And, I mean, the sky's the limit. You just got to put in the hard work and, you know, set your mind. So would you say that you made all these achievements by yourself? Basically, you you pulled yourself up? Or would you attribute oh, yeah, that absolutely. to... Would you attribute Absolutely. that to um, the a Democratic Absolutely. Party or a Democratic um, program that did that for you? Or is that all you? No, absolutely. No, it's all me. I didn't ask nobody for nothing. I didn't ask nobody for no handouts. I didn't want no handouts. Everything I got, I earned myself. Nobody gave me shit. I ain't see Jesse Jackson around this, around this motherfucker walking around with college scholarships and and, and money to put food on your plate. I ain't see Al Sharpton, and fat, sloppy ass walking around here with shit giving out to people. They don't care about nobody. If it's not, yeah. in, if it's if it if it doesn't involve them making money, they right. don't care. That's that's what the bottom line. They don't care. So do you, you know? think their their main their main? I've said this a lot, but to me it seems that their main goal in life is to keep racism in the forefront because that's how they make their living. Do you see that too, or how do you see that? I'm sorry, say again? I said Jesse Jackson, Al okay. Sharpton, those guys like that. It seems that their job is to keep racism alive because they need that to make money. Do, do you see it that way? Yes. Absolutely. It's profitable. Dude, it's a gold mine. It's a freaking gold mine. Because look at it like this. Um, in May, in New Orleans, we had... A three-year-old child was killed. Gun violence. Somebody drove by, shot him, killed him, shot his brother, killed his brother, shot the mama. The mama lived. Nobody was down here protesting. Look at all the all the all the killing going on in Chicago. Nobody's up there protesting, walking around. Look at all the stuff going on in Baltimore. Nobody's walking up and going around. Look at look at New York. No, nobody cares because it's not about money. But as soon as Trooper Robert Downs gets into an gets into conducts a tra traffic stop, has a verbal interaction with a subject on a traffic stop, at which time the subject turns the verbal interaction into a physical altercation, which makes Trooper Robert Downs respond with justified with the you know with the, the justified amount of force, and the subject dies. Now all of a sudden they coming down here and they protesting because it's money, you know, it's all about a dollar. Right. What do you tell? What do you say to people that say that the police are going around just killing young black men? That's bullshit. You think we wake up every day? Yeah. Let me see. Let me see who I'm gonna go shoot the. It doesn't work that way. The worst thing you want to do on this police department is actually take a life. That's 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 the worst thing. And in some cases, you look at it like what went wrong to make it go to that that level that you had to actually use that type of force. Um, but they, they spin that narrative when it's only like a, a small percentage to try to, uh, make it look like that. Like um, for instance, the Alton Sterling incident in Baton Rouge, right? Those officers were not out the head hunting, looking for a black dude to put in jail or to do anything to. They were responding to a call for service by a black person who called and said the boy had a gun. So when they get there, they have to do their job. They have to interview him and ascertain if he has a gun on him in fact or not so he wouldn't let them pat him down because he knew he had that gun it turned into a physical altercation and unfortunately he lost his life so 
Once again, look who started that altercation. Now, you might have a small percentage of police shootings that happen. I'm not the smallest ball. I'm going to say a handful that happened that, you know, where the police officers were dead wrong, but not what they're making it out to be right now. Right. Well, you know, you look at the, the Chauvin incident uh, where he killed, uh, where he was on Derek Floyd. Now, he, that was some bullshit. That was, I don't know why he did that other than he just was being an asshole. Um, I mean, I think we, we as, as law enforcement officers, we can all agree that that was wrong. Um, Absolutely. There was no, he, they could have got him up at any point just by the officer presence on the scene. They had control of the situation. Um, but like you brought up the Alton Sterling incident that he was actively resisting, had a gun in his front pocket. You can see on the video that he was reaching for the weapon, trying to grab it. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, well, they didn't have to shoot him. What if, what the fuck are they supposed to do? I mean, I, I don't understand. It's like nobody wants to be held accountable for their actions, and that's what it boils down to. Nobody, nobody in this generation wants to be held accountable. Nobody wants to take fault for what they do. And people got to understand, every action, you're going to get a reaction from somebody. You know? And, and that's what it boils down to. So do you... Do, Let's see, you're not you're not on, on patrol anymore, right? No, I went back to the team, and when I got promoted. So you just sit behind a desk now. No, actually not. I, <laughs> I mean, sergeant over the street gang on the SWAT on the SWAT team in New Orleans. We got three uh-huh. platoons. You got the violent defender warrant squad. You got the street gang unit, and you got the tire unit, which is the I think they stand stands for. Tactical information gathering, enforcement, and response. But I'm the sergeant over the uh, gang unit. So when we're not day to day, you know, my unit deals with the gang stuff. But then we have to deal with the hostage situation, the barricaded subjects, the SWAT roles, and um, all high risk warrants in New Orleans. So the gang unit, you know, what were you talking about gangs? There's no gangs. There's gangs no such, everywhere. There's no such thing. People, people, people don't want to see them. Yeah, right. <laughs> they don't want to see them, but there's gangs. What do you think about Black Lives Matter? Matter of fact, y'all got some. Uh, uh, I think it's. How can I see this without offending people? I think it's a. Uh, It's a scam, dude. I mean, you can't believe it's a scam. You got to look at it like this. It was funded by rich by rich people with money. Um, it's still being funded by rich people with money. And I don't need that. I'm good. Thank you. And um, the intentions, you got to look at it like this. If, if you're going to say something matters, it should matter straight across the board. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to say Black Lives Matter, it should be all Black Lives Matter, no matter who they're killed by. But why is Black Lives Matter just worried about Black lives that are taken at the hands of white police officers? That doesn't make any sense. When majority of Black lives are being taken by other Black persons. Well, like you... I, I... It's about the money. I mean, if if Joe shit the rag guy kills another black guy on the street, he ain't got no money. He got no deep pockets. But the city of Atlanta, they got yeah. deep pockets. You know, mm-hmm. just uh, 
What's your what's your um what do you think about the shooting in Atlanta, the guy with the taser? It was justified. I mean it was justified. Explain to me why why you say it's justified. Well you, you can see you can see those okay. No police officer wants to come out there and take nobody to jail in the first place, especially what's going on right now in this nation. So apparently, I got this information from somebody I know that works for APD. The officer got called because the guy fell asleep in the drive through parking lot. He pulls up, gets out the car, talks to the guy, wakes him up, tells the guy, you know, you got to leave. The guy says, okay. The officer drives off. The guy falls the call again, so they call the officer back. So now the officer comes back. So you know, just like I know when you're a police officer. You got called twice for the same call. Now you got to get out and take some action. You got to do something. So at which time he gets him out. They're being real nice to him. They're talking to him. Um, they get him out. He calls for another officer to come do the FST, the field sobriety test on him because he wasn't certified. <clears throat> at which time, you know, he fails the field sobriety test. The story that he's making up of why he was there. He said he was there to pick up his girlfriend. He was there to pick up some food. He gave wrong order. He went to return the food. It just wasn't jiving. So, of course, you know, he's 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 not, he's 98. So they go to put him in handcuffs and they start to fight. And you can look at this guy. I mean, these officers were not throwing blows at this guy. They were basically trying to restrain him. You can see the whole mm. video. They were trying to restrain him. And this dude basically, he went to the whip with him. Yeah, I mean, he was throwing him off. And, you know, he's running. He turns with a taser. And, I mean, also shoots him. Unfortunately, also shoots him. I mean, all that could have been avoided. It could have been avoided if he had just turned around. Put his hand behind his back, got in the handcuffs, and went to jail. But, but he he again, said he said he was close to his house. He could walk home. Shouldn't they just let him walk home? For what? He's driving drunk. He violated a crime. He had his freebie. He had his freebie when the police officer came out there and woke him up and told him, "Hey, you got to move." Now I'm getting called back for the same thing with you. It don't work that way. Yeah, but he's he's just so close to home. He could just take him home. Nah, it don't work that way. Still got to enforce the law. <laughs> That's what I was told. They should take him home. Uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just take him home. And then what, what lesson is he going to learn next time he's driving drunk? Right. What, what, what message are we sending out here now? You know? Oh, you drive drunk the first time. We're going to let you go. So the second time, what you going to do? Oh, yeah, man, they're going to let me go. And then you wind up killing somebody's killer, killing some lady. Uh are you familiar with uh, C.L. Bryant? C.L. Bryant? No, who's that? Was he a wrestler? <laughs> no, <laughs> he's a uh, a minister from North Louisiana, uh, a black male. He's a conservative, uh, was a Democrat for many, many, many years. And um, he's got a video called uh, Runaway Slave. Uh, Cleon Lewis Bryant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yeah. that's him. Yep, he's uh, he has... A very, oh man, it's it's very controversial controversial yeah, opinion. Yeah. So his 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 mm-hmm. his opinion is that when the government, <clears throat> so the slaves were given their freedom, correct? Mm-hmm. So he says that the government stepped in and just replaced the plantation with the government plantation in the form of welfare. And that welfare makes it to where mothers can't have fathers in the home, right? Um, They're incentivized Uh not uh, 
Bostick just joined in. He said, looky, looky, duty fire team up in this bitch. was <laughs> <laughs> Bostick. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he says that the, the, the whole welfare system is basically a plantation to keep people enslaved, a different kind of slavery, uh, because it makes them um, dependent on the government as the master. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about about that? Like, what is your opinion about? Because I heard you say earlier that you know that you received government assistance. Do you think it that the system's broken? That it could be fixed? And what would you do to fix it? Well, I ain't no politician, so I don't know how to fix it. But yeah, the system's broken. I mean, the thing about it, as long as you own government assistance, they own you, and they don't try to get people off government assistance. I mean. I think government assistance should be you down. The government helps you out to try to get you up and you need to take some steps to better yourself, get a better job, get an education, improve your current living standards, do different things like that. But some people don't. They get on it. They stay on it for generations and generations. Like it's the thing to do. And some people look at it like this. If I'm getting, this is hypothetically safe. If I'm getting, they're paying for my house and they're giving me this amount of food and this amount of money per month and if i go get a job i gotta pay taxes and pay this and pay this and pay rent and pay that it doesn't make any sense to get off it so they stay on it me personally i think what they should do is they should sit up here and actually make it to where if you receive any type of government assistance i'm talking about student loans anything like that you need to take a a urinalysis a piss test and if you fail that piss test you know at which time they give you a warning and say you got a certain amount of time and you will be retested again and then test them again. And if they test positive twice, you lose that federal assistance, plain and simple. Do you think, what would you say is the biggest, the biggest danger to the black family as you see it right now in the system, the way that it currently is? The biggest danger out of anything? Right. If what is the one problem that's plaguing um, the black family in America today, in your opinion? Oh man, deep questions. I know. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna say it's education because in these cities that are predominantly black, the democratic city, the, the cities ran by democratic mayors, the educational system is horrible. And I think that's that's the, the the main thing. It's just the educational system. Okay. I think, and I'm not gonna say just blacks. I mean, they filled all kids. The educational system yes. filled everyone's children. Right. I agree. What about the lack of fathers in the home? I was gonna say the lack of fathers in the home because the thing about it, nobody in their right mind is gonna stay with a woman. who's not being a woman, I should say, or running a man off just to stay there with their kids, you know? Mm -hmm. Who who wants to to come home every day and be miserable, you know, and just because you're there with your kids and in the house with your kids? That's not no productive household. How's that child? Well, I don't mean mean like a divorce couple where the father's still an active participant in the child's life. I mean, like the absentee fathers, um, because in the movie Runaway Slave, they have the actual numbers. I should have went back and wrote the numbers and down. 
I'm I'm gonna have to I'm writing that down. Runaway, I'm gonna watch that when I finish this. And you have to buy it. It's not on any streaming service. You can't even rent it. I had to buy a cup buy a copy. Send it to him. Yeah, I can send it to you. You can watch it. Yeah. But it's 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 very eye opening. Like they break it down with the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, they start back in the 1930s. Um, they said, you know, prior to the 30s, most blacks voted Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, re- uh, the Republicans were the the party of abolition. Um, and then after the, the Great Depression, they said uh, Roosevelt enacted, you know, the, the, Turn the light off. all these social reforms. And then so blacks switched to vote for Democrats. Mm-hmm. But along the way, they said that they manipulated uh, the black families and they gave the numbers too. like before the 60s, I think it was black home ownership, black business ownership. Um, yeah. married uh, families, you know, with the moms and dad in the household. Oh, yeah, they had the least. Education. They had the lowest um, divorce rate, lower than white families. Yes. Yeah. At the time, yeah. I don't remember the numbers. And then when, that. after the 60s, when um, uh, Lyndon Johnson yeah. passed. Okay, so I don't know if you know this, but uh, Dwight Eisenhower, a Republican president, tried to pass the Voting Rights Act in the 50s. And he was voted down by the Democrats in in the Senate and the um, House. And one of the senators that voted against it was Lyndon Johnson. And the other one was JFK. JFK, yeah. Mm, wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the same Voting Rights Act. So when the 60s comes along and then Lyndon's in, in office after JFK got shot... They passed the Voting Rights Act. Now, it's it's this is sad that this happened, but supposedly people that were in the room that heard it, he said that he told the other Democratic um, senators that he needed their support on this voting rights bill because we'll have those N-words voting Democrat for the next 100 years. Wow. Yeah. And they touch yeah, on that they, in, in the movie. They're doing it now. And then you look at the crime bill in the 90s right. that, you know, put, I don't know how many black men in jail. That was Democrat. Wait, about the same crime bill that Joe Biden? Yes. Yeah. Uh, was, right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bill Clinton, okay. the one that Joe <laughs> yeah. Biden okay. wrote? Yeah. 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 Okay. Joe one Biden. he's so proud of yeah. still. Yeah. King of the black people. Did you write? Yeah. King of the black people. Uh-huh. Well, if All you right. don't yeah. vote for okay. Joe, Bri- Joe Biden, you're not really black. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so go figure. Yeah. So you know it's crazy. I'm that- gonna have to look at. You know, there's another uh, guy named Larry Elder. Yeah, I listen to Larry. Yeah, have you seen his movie Uncle Tom? It's a really good documentary. It's probably the best documentary I've seen in three years. It's called Uncle Tom. It's by Larry Elder. Um, I saw it on this website that I watch all my movies on called. Uh, Flickster to go, mm-hmm. and uh, because it's not on Netflix anymore, but that's where I saw it. It's really good, really good. Okay, oh, I watched and he that. had he had real uh, he had um, Herman Herman Cain on it. Um, what's the guy? Uh, what's the guy that's the uh, brain surgeon? Um, oh, like um, the Secretary of Housing. Um, yes, the one that the one they call Uncle Tom now because he took the job from Trump. Uh, 
Baby. Well, you know him. What's your uh, Secretary of Housing's name? The Secretary of Housing's name that gave y'all the grant. Ben Carson. Ben Carson. They had Ben Carson on. They were talking about him also. And they were basically talking about how <clears throat> Ben Carson came from being poor. Yeah. He rose up from being poor, uh, went to college, um, became a predominant doctor, and became a brain surgeon. And then he was the only brain surgeon that successfully operated on conjoining twins. And they were talking about how everybody loved Ben Carson. Oh, he's so smart. He's this. He's educated. He's this when he's running for president. But then when he takes that job from Trump, oh, he's a sellout. He's ignorant. He's stupid. He's Uncle Tom. I'm like, wait, wait. So the guy, we already know the guy's brilliant. The guy's educated. The guy's smart. But now because he took a job from somebody y'all don't like, the black people are turning against him. How does that make any freaking sense? What, why do you, why is it that that why is it always that that quick um, call to action to say that if you don't agree and vote Democrat and you are conservative and you have your own mind, why are you a sellout? Why are you an Uncle Tom all of a sudden? Yeah, because they want you on the plantation with them. That's how I look at it. They want you to they want you on the same lines with them, the same thing with them. That's what they want. You know, it's not you can't. You can't have your own opinions of anything. If the, if the, if the majority of black people say this, you got to go with it. It's, it's crazy. It's, it is. And just imagine being black. <laughs> just imagine being black and just thinking about stuff your own way, coming to your own conclusions. And then you got to deal with your family and everybody else, you know, who see things differently. You know, now where I mean, you? I know some people. I know some people got into it with their family because they didn't vote for Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. I mean, last time I checked, it's your choice or who you vote for, you know? Have you experienced any of that in your family that they say, like, you fucking like Trump? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> with Obama. Even with Obama. I didn't vote for Obama his first term. Mm. But I was supposed to vote for him because he was a black man running. I'm like, yeah, but he hasn't done anything. But he's black. I'd say, okay, but he was a senator for two years in Chicago. He's never voted for or against anything. Yeah, but he's black. I say, but he's not going to be a good president. No, it doesn't matter. We just want to put a black man in the White House. That makes no sense. I don't get it as far as putting a black or white or anything. I want to put the right person in the office, right. you know, pertaining to my interest that I see in this nation. Yeah, and I don't consider myself a Republican because I don't always vote Republican. Uh, especially I don't uh, state politics. No. So, um, and then I'm I'm not yeah. your typical conservative because I'm not a Christian because I'm atheist. Um, I don't care if gay people get married. Um, if you want to have an abortion, I don't give a shit. I just don't want to pay for it. That's my view on that. So you know, I don't fit the whole the checklist for conservative either. Mm-hmm. So why is Trump? Trump's been in the public eye forever. Why is he now a racist? Well, that was a narrative that they had to paint on him because Hillary, I guess, if you look at when it started, it looks like it started when Hillary realized that he actually had a chance to beat her and they had nothing else that they could paint on him. So that was a narrative that they painted because right at that point, you know, it's like, it's like sexual harassment and racism. Right now, that's the two hot things right now. If you're labeled with either one of those, it's basically a career ender. And like you were saying, Trump has been on the Oprah Winfrey show several times. 
Mm-hmm. Trump is one. Of, he's won a couple NAACP awards <laughs> for his employment of uh, people of color in his businesses. He's taking pictures. I mean, rappers want to take pictures yeah. with him. Rappers used to sing about him in their songs. They want to be the next Donald Trump. They want to be like Donald Trump. I mean, I mean, it, I mean, he was at all kind of people parties and everything. Nobody had anything bad to say about him. No one never said anything racial about him. Even when he had his TV show that was on, what was that TV show he had? Uh, the Apprentice. Yeah, yeah. It was was yeah, The Apprentice. Nobody said anything about he was racist on that show. Uh, right. But all of a sudden, one person spins it and paints this narrative, and everybody takes off with it and say he's a racist. And then you hear some people say, "Oh yeah, because um, he's trying to stop people of of color from coming into this country." I said, "No, he's trying to stop illegal immigration." Right. Yeah, but it's only for these people. I say, look, you got to understand something. I say, there's numbers. Every year, the U.S. only takes a certain amount of persons from each country for legal immigration. So when we have illegal immigration, that cuts down on the actual legal immigration that we can allow to come here. And those people who are, you know, legally trying to come here, they have spent money. Uh, doing all the proper paperwork, uh, you know, they probably got jobs and stuff lined up. So you're actually holding those people off trying to come here legally with all the influx of the illegals coming in. And at the same time, if you allow all these illegals to come in, you really don't know, you know, uh, what you're getting coming into. What's up, Mike Trooper? Hey, Manny's joining in. <laughs> What's going on? Can you hear him, Damon? <laughs> Can you hear him, Psycho? Who? Damon. Is he talking? Yeah. Can I can't hear shit. Can hear me? Oh, let me see. I can hear you. Slow. Yeah, I don't want it. Hold on, let me let me call you back on another line. Hold on. You're gonna go call you're you're not gonna get me on my uh Skype thing? No, well get, what's your username? I need your username. Isn't that that Alpha Raider, the the Xbox username, right? Shit, I don't know. Is yeah, your just, your I Skype? Just, motherfucker, I text you. <laughs> All right, hold on. I'm gonna send you a link. <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> I was supposed to work his Xbox for him. Goddamn stupid Mexican. Let's see. Where's his link? Oh, this is a good part for him to join in. And um, illegal immigration. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Right. Because he's Mexican. Right. I don't see no damn Raider on there. He left his phone on. Let's see. What is that? Jesus Christ. What is that? That's my son's phone. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, he left his phone on in the, in my room. Oh, and went and went in the front with the wife. Oh. Well, we needed some. Yeah, music. Mean, we needed some music while Robert was working on the on the well, technical part. <laughs> I'm trying to. I don't. So see what's it. been going on, April? Oh. Much just crazy, crazy times, and it's stupid mask ordinance or whatever it is. 
Oh my mm. gosh, it's crazy. Yeah, I saw one. I saw one state was suing the governor or the mayor or somebody for making people wear masks. Did you see that? Was that was I, that Georgia? Oh, I didn't see that that one. That's, yeah, um, I think the the governor is suing that mayor of Atlanta because she is forcing everybody in the city of Atlanta to wear masks. Hey. Okay, why does it mute? It does. It mutes them on. What's that? You can hear Manny, but we can't hear Damon. I know. It you're muting Damon. I don't know why. Hold on. <laughs> That's so weird. Let me. I've been muted before. Okay. You let me see your phone. phone. Yeah. Use my phone. I don't have no devices. You don't need a device. My MacBook's in the shop right now. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I forgot. You took it there? Were they going to fix it? Yeah. Well, they're going to run a diagnostic on it. Um, and then, you know, that's, there's a charge for that. And, and they'll tell me what's wrong. And if we, if I want them to fix it, they'll wave the D. Jamie said he loves his mask. He wants to wear one even when this is no, over. I mean, that's so unconstitutional, jeez. But, you know, I just wear it just to, just to, so I can go spend my money <laughs> at the store. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, had, I didn't even have to wear one. I mean, it's their store, so if I want to go and I, right. I, I, I respect that. If, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm gonna go in their store and they want me to wear it. I'm like, all right, fuck it. Of course, but I feel like people look at me like because I'll pull it down a little bit when nobody's around. I pull it down over my nose. Well, so I, I can get, take it off as some, soon as I get well, outside. I'll in the store. I'll cheat a little bit. I'll like so I can breathe for a minute. All right, let's see. And then I feel like people are staring at me. They're gonna tell on me. See if he answers. You know who's having a hard time with the mask, huh? KKK? <laughs> no. They wear People masks. with bad breath. They got a smelly breath. <laughs> <laughs> Manny. There we go. We have everybody. Who is that? Psycho. What's up? You, you, won't, be to, you won't be able to FaceTime. You got to give me your username on the uh, Skype. <laughs> But not out loud. I can't find it. <laughs> so, I don't know what the Skype thing is. <laughs> <laughs> my outlook, my outlook one. <laughs> no, you should have a Skype, bro. I don't know how to tell you to set up Skype, man. Come on. Man, I don't know. <laughs> Hold on, let me call Trump. You can get your ass deported. <laughs> now y'all can pick it. Your... Can't even work hey, Skype. This shit don't work. <laughs> no, Skype don't charge, man. I don't know what you own. That's some that's some Xbox shit. You can download Skype on your damn iPhone and use it for free. Well, I'm, I downloaded it on my fucking goddamn Xbox, and it's not on there. Yeah, but you don't have a camera on your fucking Xbox. I do. I've got my Kinect. Oh, that's yeah, stupid. We had one yeah, he, does, I, he does the Macarena and socks. <laughs> I don't know how to set that up on the Xbox. Xbox so no, I don't have an Xbox. So, well, I guess you're the, you're the one that's not in time right now. Well, I have a PlayStation. I actually have a good gaming system. So <laughs> I, I, I used to have that, but uh, I, I upgraded. <laughs> to an Xbox? You downgraded. <laughs> they downgraded. So, Mandy, you missed it. We were talking about Trump. And how Damon is a black man and he likes Trump and he doesn't know that he's black. So you <laughs> being Hispanic, you must not know you're Hispanic. Um, why do you like Trump? You know he's racist, first, right? He hates Mexicans. Uh, first of all, I'm not 
of all, I'm an American. There you go. Well, right. no, you're not. You're not falling in the liberal playbook. You are a, a Latin American. I was born in America. I was <laughs> raised in America. I in Mexico. So, therefore, uh, I'm an American. Well, not everyone I'm, sees it like you, sir. What's that, sir? Not everyone I'm sees it that way. The liberals would say you're not respecting your heritage. You're a sellout. I've already been told that many times. <laughs> so why Trump, man? You know, it, it, it's not about it's it, it's not about like why Trump. It's a, the thing is that Trump's an outsider. He's a businessman. Everything mm-hmm. that he does, he's not doing it as a politician. You know, because like obviously you see that he doesn't take pay. You know, he doesn't. He, he's working vacations he's there during the holidays doing all the work the message that he puts across although a lot of people may portray it as him being racist it's for the greater good of america you know he's thinking about america first you know for decades we've been taking care of other countries well what do you what do you say to people that say trump doesn't like um Mexicans. He doesn't like Guatemalans. He's just trying to keep them all out of the country. He wants to build a wall. First of all, if you can't talk to them anyways, because they're fucking delusional already. They're <laughs> they're true. they're stuck in space. So it's like you know, like I have these conversations already with people, and no matter what type of you know proof you give them, they're brainwashed. You know, and we see it on the media where. Everyone, you know, they, they pass on and you switch from station to station. If it's a Democratic, they use the same keywords over and over to pretty much brainwash their Democratic, you know, following followers. I don't see it that way. You know, and, you know, we come back a little bit more, you know, I'm a little bit more open-minded being that, you know, like being the Marine Corps, you, you know, we didn't see no color. You know, we, right. you know, we did Everybody everything. was green. Right. You know, we did it for, you know, for our country. We serve for our country. And no matter what, I mean, you see a lot of stuff and, you you know, and now you, you hear a lot, you know, like a lot of people like bashing him. But you know what? Where are these people bashing him, bro? Like uh, when they're actually working for him. Why is it that they only start bashing him when he fires them because they're not doing their job? And then like, <laughs> and then you just rumble employees. And then you don't hear from them until a year later, but you don't know what they're going to say because they want you to buy their book. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> other than that, they won't tell you what's going on. They just tell you, hey, in June, my book drops, pay, you know, sixty nine ninety nine, and you'll hear all the gossip. But if you're an American and you're serving the country, like, you know, like I call it, like, you know, General Mattis, you know, he went bitter, you know, and his last speech was that he would never talk mm-hmm. crap about president and what did he do he he, he completely did his uh, uh, 180 and started talking crap and all somebody somebody paid him yeah book. and also sell that book yeah. get people to buy that book but if you are a true american and you saw that there was crimes or you know stuff being done while you're in office isn't it your duty to report that while you're in office yeah yeah so why didn't they report it so 
Therefore, they weren't doing their job then, right? So he he was right to fire them. They weren't doing their job. Well, what do you say to people that say, well, uh, General Mattis is an American hero. Trump's not. Mattis knows. Well, that's a, that's a deal. If people don't know and people, you know, are, are, a lot of people are going to think like, you know, General Mattis is an American hero. But I served under General Mattis and I know how General Mattis was, you know. General Mattis fired my first, you know, first regimental CO because he was taking care of his troops because we were three days ahead of our supplies and we had no ammo, no food. And he wanted us to keep on pushing. What good is it going to do for us to push if we got no ammo? And we're getting ready to take a city that is heavily fortified with Taliban. I mean, that's like tactics one on one, right? You don't outrun your supply chain, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. Did you not go ahead and uh, it's in the five paragraph order, NIAC, buddy? You know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, situation, mission, execution, admin and logistics, command and And logistics, yep, command and signal. Obviously, if we don't have any of that, how do we accomplish the mission when we don't have them? And because General Dowdy, you know, Colonel Dowdy had the the, the intestinal fortitude to be like, sir, we got to slow down. And he didn't like it. He fired him. Mm. I don't think that was right. And in his book, he said that that was the worst thing that he's ever done. Well, because he knows he was wrong. Mm. So we all know how General Mattis was. He's all about combat. That's the reason why he quit the cabinet at the first place, because he didn't agree with Trump wanting to pull the troops out of of Iraq and Afghanistan after 18, 20 years of being in country. How many more years are going to be there, man? Yeah. Well, I mean, he said he was going to do it. I mean, I mean, he's the only president that said he was going to do it and actually did it. But it did not align General Mattis' philosophy of being a, all he wanted was we want to continue to be in country and fight, 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 fight. At one point, you got to say it's enough, it's enough. You know, we've done our mission. Let's bring them back. Let's start rebuilding our country. And let's focus all that money that we're spending in the, in, in the DOD and military and throw it to the economy and throw it to the cities and start, you know, everybody talks about like, you know, like every politician you hear about, they talk about infrastructure. Oh, yeah, if I'm elected, uh, you know, I'm going to dedicate so much money into the infrastructure. Why is our city so jacked up then? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if, if, you know, if you're dedicating money for infrastructure, our country should not be the way it is right now and the state it is right now. Yeah. What What is the the reaction you get when you tell people that you're a Trump supporter? Uh, you know, the first reaction is they, they, they tell me, they're like, I thought you were Mexican, but I tell them the same thing, man, that I told you right now. I may be of Mexican descent, but I'm actually an American, you know, like, and I told them before, you know, if we ever went to combat in Mexico, I will fuck the Mexicans up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you know what I identify that's my people. Yeah. Guess what? Sorry, buddy, you're going down. Well that's uh that's very American of you, sir. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so let's give some backstory. Tell everybody First of all, didn't have a problem when we when we invaded Somalia and all that. I mean, that's his people. 
Well, they didn't. They didn't like. They don't. They don't like American uh, black people over there in Africa. That, I think, yeah, I think that was like a big. Like I'd have thought that had been like, "Hey, my brothers, welcome home." No, not at all. Dude, that was the that was the worst time in my Marine Corps career was when we went to Africa because it was like I was a sellout. That's what you know. What not gonna be honest with you? That's probably where I saw the most racism at was when we went to when we went to Africa because they did not consider me black. Wow. You know, you know, because your 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 descendants were sold off as slaves. You went to America. You coming back? You're not black coming back. Do you, you know, think it's just, because they they see you as the the tribe that was conquered and and got beat and got sold? I have no idea. I didn't ask. I just but kept it moving. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just kept it moving. <laughs> what you say, Manny? It's because they see Harris with like proper gear, like black jackets and everything, and here they are wearing like a flotation device and gardening uh, gloves. <laughs> yeah, you, right. I was the only black. I was the only black. Uh, I was the only black one in Bravo Company that could swim. <laughs> That's, That's racist. Right. That's you right. saying black people can't swim? No, I'm just saying I was the only one. That could swim. <laughs> <laughs> Realize that they always did swim call on 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 Black Heritage Month. What'd you say? They always did swim call on on Black Heritage Month. It's fucked up. I never noticed that. <laughs> Dude, I never paid attention. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Manny, when you go back to Mexico, do you get, is it that like that when you go back to Mexico? Are they like, oh, you're not a real Mexican? Yeah, it, it, you see it. I mean, um, you know, um, you know, a, a little bit like, you know, like I said, you know, my parents, like, when, you know, I, obviously I was born and raised in, in, in California. When I was uh, six, seven years old, uh, my parents, uh, they, you remember they owned a house in Mexico? Yeah. They went in and mm-hmm. uh, wanted to move back to Mexico because, you know, he was like, you know, we, you know, where you at this, you can cross the border and live in Mexico and not have to worry about put, paying mortgage because we owned a four bedroom home over there in Mexico right on the border. So uh, mm-hmm. my parents moved to Mexico for uh, to try to go ahead and you know get me in there. Well, lo and behold, that my, my mom actually tried to put me in a Mexican school, um, but they wouldn't accept me because I was a U.S. citizen. <laughs> hey, we don't wow. want that fucking Mexican <laughs> wow. piece of shit, fake wow. Mexican. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I know. Damn. Like, you know. So I wasn't I wasn't able to go to school there. So my parents had to turn around and come back to the United States because I wasn't able to start school because they wouldn't accept me as a U.S. citizen. And she tried and tried in different, you know, school districts in Mexico and Tijuana, whatever. And and she couldn't do it. And uh, it was during the summertime that she was trying to get me. So they ended up moving back to uh, San Diego and I just started school there. And we, you know, we never went back. But here's another here's another another one that I, I'm gonna throw at you. So in order for you to to be able to own anything or have a job in Mexico, you have to serve in the military. Mandatory. Everyone has to be in the military. Um, and they have a they have a lottery um, that they do every year, kind of like when the, our selective service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a huge, like I guess, arena. 
and they have like this lottery and they call your number and the ball comes out, whether it's a black ball or a white ball. No, I'm I, well, I'm live on wait. My wife just coming in right now. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, but uh, they get a black ball or a white ball. So the black ball designates that you have to serve active duty for three years. But mm-hmm. you serve your three years, they uh, they give you a job ID. That job ID is used for you to be able to get a job in Mexico. Uh, if you get the white ball, you technically are blessed like you actually serve so you get the card immediately what yeah yeah, mm. yeah. so uh, my dad uh, you know he was originally he was born in mexico well it's so corrupt that my dad knew like you know colonels and generals that my dad actually got a card without even having to ever register in mexico for it and then you know like uh, back in 1978 he became a u.s citizen um but the house that they have in Mexico, um, when my parents pass away, the government's going to take over that house because since I'm a U.S. citizen, we're all U.S. citizens, I can I can never own land in Mexico. So Mexico doesn't wow. re- uh, see dual citizenship? No. You have to be you have to be from Mexico, live in Mexico, wow. have a vote from Mexico to be able to own land. Um, now so, you see all these people that buy houses in in uh, in Cancun, Acapulco. Right. Well, they're under like a retirement visa, mm-hmm. right? Well, those are actually government leases. They lease the they, mm. they lease the land, and these people move to Mexico and they live their life in Mexico. But when they die, that land belongs to the government. Damn. Damn. Oh, wow. So you mean to tell me I can't? Sneak across the border into Mexico, have my kids no. there, and they become they're automatically Mexican citizens. No, sir, you cannot do that. Well, then why Only do they get to do that here? The great in the great uh, country of America, can they do that? That's fucking insane. <laughs> now, why do you, you know, think Mexico does that? See, that's 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 the reason why my 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 views are different. Because how is it that? A Mexican national can come to the United States and he can go to school, he can get financial assistance. They are automatically have specific scholarships that are reserved for them. Before they give it to my daughter, they're going to give it to one of these people from Mexico. Mm -hmm. You know, I was to go to Mexico. Do you think Mexico is going to go ahead and give me a welfare check? Well, no, you can't even inherit your your, uh, parents' house. Exactly. You'll be right there in Tijuana selling chiclets. I can't even keep the house that my parents have had for in 1975 when they bought that house. Can they sell it before then and just like... Sell it. Yeah, they, they can sell it. And like my parents actually live in Mexico now. My mom and dad, they actually like about... When they turned 65 and my father retired, obviously, you know, your income is not the same as when... He was actually working. He, so he sold the house that he lit. We he he had in Chula Vista. He sold it, uh, and that was during the the boom. So he ended up, you know, marking somewhere around four five hundred thousand dollars. Close the door, Dylan. And they moved to Mexico, and that's where they live at. So my sister, she's out of home, so it's just 
my mom and my dad. So, you know, they have a peel box on the weekends. My dad drives across the border, gets his mail, you know, does his grocery shopping. And then they go back to Tijuana and they live in the house in Mexico and pay like fucking $40 in utilities. And that's it. So since he got his American citizenship, is he treated as a Mexican national? The house, so the house is under my mom's name. Um, so when they bought it, my mom was actually not a U.S. citizen. So the house, my my mother got it. So males have to register, females don't. So my when they bought the house, it went under my mom's name. My mom, eventually, back in night like in nineteen ninety who became a U.S. citizen, but she never reported it. But by that time, it's, there's no need because she already owns the house. However, when the time comes that they pass, the house is gone. That's fucking crazy. Do they plan on selling it That's before insane. then? Probably not. No, they're just going to keep it and, and let Mexico I, take it back? I, I mean, why sell it? I mean, if they sell it, where do they live? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, so let's say, I mean, it's very unlikely both your parents Joe, will pass away at the same time. He just ate the fries. He didn't eat so the fries. I would think whoever's left would be like, okay, well, I'm going to go live back in America closer to my to my kids. And then they, they could sell it, and that way they can I, give you all the money as an inheritance. Or Yeah, but I, that, house, that house in Mexico, which is like a three-bedroom, uh, like three-bath, three um, it's the thing the last he bought it for five thousand dollars. Whoa! And when he bought it, it was only a lot that was uh, it was a one bedroom, one kitchen, one bathroom. Um, and the kitchen was a dual kitchen slash living room. It was a really small, probably about a I would say probably around five hundred and fifty square foot home, but it was sitting on a lot that was probably about fifty feet by about a. 250 feet in length. So my father ended up adding three more bedrooms, two more bathrooms, and it added a living room and a garage to it. So all together, you know, that he spent probably an additional about $21,000 to build all that. Everything's cheap over there, so it doesn't cost that much to build a house. Well, that's why so, we're we're moving to Roatan when I retire. You, you take the twenty five thousand, five thousand. My parents are really in the house. It's it's like a thirty thousand dollar investment that they have there. Uh, now the last when they hit and and got a realtor to kind of do an evaluation in Mexico, I think they valued the house like around seventy three thousand dollars. They were thinking about selling it, but. They were able to find somebody who has seventy three thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's the the hard part, huh? Damn. So I mean, so I, you know, I told them a long time ago, like if you're gonna want to sell, just sell it and just get your money's worth. You know, if you put thirty thousand dollars, sell it for like thirty five thousand. So you got your money plus five grand more. But at least it. But I mean, that's like. uh, But once again, like if they sell it. And they move back to the state. Now they have to rent, which their rent's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's going to take all their social security and all that. Right now, they they pocket all their social security because they have no more mm. between their cable, their phone, their electricity, their gas, and their water. Probably about a hundred bucks. Mm. 
God damn. Do they, get, do, they get, do they get Social Security in Mexico? No, no, no. Or they, or they, they, they get, no, hell no. They only get U.S. Their U.S. Social Security. That's it. They get no, deposited no, into if, maybe if federal Mexican account. Citizens, and, would they get Social Security in Mexico? No. No. Wow. No. You see, Rob, that's one thing. That's one thing I tell everybody. When people always want to sit up here and they always want to bash the United States and all this. Mm. I say, you tell me where can anybody go to Vietnam or China and open up a freaking nail shop or where anybody can sit up here and go to Saudi Arabia, Dubai, UAE and open up a goddamn gas station. I said, this is the only country where people can come from anywhere with nothing and become millionaires, become business owners. Like you see the American dream. Yeah. I've said it before. If being born in America is like winning the cosmic lottery. Yeah, and you know what? I'm all about them coming over here, man. It doesn't matter who comes over. Mm-hmm. It's come the legal way. Yeah. Right. You know, like, yeah. my mm-hmm. parents waited seven years to get there. You know, they yeah. went from, you know, being a visa to a green card, from a green card to U.S. citizen. It wasn't they mm-hmm. didn't go the, the easy way or whatever. You know, like, they, they actually had to wait and go to the U.S. consulate and everything. Yeah. And eventually, you know, they got their citizenship and stuff like that, but... If they can do it, why are we going to allow people to go ahead and go on front of the line when we have people that have been sitting in line for like that are doing it the legal way, waiting for three, four years? Why am I going to expedite this person, you know, citizenship or green card or whatever it is when I should be giving it to the person that's been waiting for three, four years? Right. What do you say to the to the like when you see the the Build news interview? <laughs> Well, you didn't even hear my question yet. <laughs> what do you say when, like, uh, in the news interviews, um, these these they and then they call them immigrants. They don't even tell you that they're they, they came here illegally. The new term now is is immigrants, right? They came here right. as as they're immigrants. What do you say? They're just coming here. They're dreamers. They're coming here looking for a better way or a better life. What do you say to those people? Do it the right way. Yeah. Do it the right no, way. No, get it. No there is no, there is no like, you know, to them, it's like I said, everything's about trying to go ahead and cut the system and get ahead of the system. And it's not about that. You know, they have to do it the right way. You want to be a dreamer? That's fine. Be a dreamer. Apply at your local country. Just like all those people from Guatemala seeking asylum. Mm-hmm. The law says that you're supposed to seek asylum in the first country you set foot out. You come to. Mexico. Absolutely. Right. That's Mexico. They pass with it's not the U.S. countries. Right. You know, it's not the U.S. If they went across different countries, Salvador and all that, they crossed multiple countries to get through. The first country that they set foot in, that is the country that they're supposed to, by law, seek asylum on. Mm. You don't fucking jump mm-hmm. five states and five countries and then come to the United States and be like, hey, I want to seek asylum here. They hell you do. Well, let's give some people some some background. Because first of all, we're we're talking with um, Manny. Um, I like the door. Yeah, he, uh, he's another fucking marine uh, that we, me and Demond served with uh, again back to 1993. But Manny actually, unlike us, fucking foreign done like stayed. And uh, how long did you actually do in the corps, Manny? Uh, I was shy of 21 years. Shy of 21. Uh huh. And uh, what was your, what was your uh, rank when you got out when you retired? Master eight. Hell yeah! And so, I actually declined declined E nine because that obligated me to three more additional years. Why'd you get out? 
Why, why did you uh, say it was time to retire? Because, well, it was kind of like a bittersweet. So I was, I was good, and I was thinking about still staying. I wouldn't have a problem. Um, but I got screwed over by the monitor. Um, obviously, like a lot of people get screwed over by the monitor. So the, and the monitors are the ones who actually, you know, assign you your new next duty station. Um, at, upon completion of your current one that you're at, or your, you know, once you do your three or four years with that current company, you contact him and he finds you another duty station where you can go serve for another additional three, four years. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, in 2000, in 2002 to 2005, I deployed to Iraq three times in three years. So when I came back, uh, my third one, I called the monitor saying, hey, I'm, I'm due for rotation. I want, you know, I need to rest because, you know, our rotations in reality during that time um, were really not rotations. You were deployed for six months. You were back for six months. Then you deployed again to Iraq for six months. Then you came for six months and then you were gone again for six months. Um but during that time that you were back for six months, as soon as you got back from that first deployment, um, you got your 10 days vacation. Then you came back. And then as soon as you came back, because the rotations were so quick, you were already going to the rifle range, pistol range. Um, the training was already set that we were doing uh, CACs. So you would do CACs and 29 palms for 30 days. Then get on the buses without even coming home and they would take you, take you straight up to 20, uh, to, um, Bridgeport, California. And then you would do the, either the summer package, mountain package, winter package, <laughs> whichever it was Jesus for 30 Christ. days. And then you would get on the bus once you finished there. And then you would drive down to Riverside, California and they would in Riverside off of in March air force base where they shut down on the opposite side of, of, uh, of, March Air Force Base, they actually developed and built a small Mogadishu town. Oh, shit. All yeah. right. So it was all enclosed and they had a mosque there. Like people used to be petrified because they would do prayer five times a day. And they had a bunch of role players. All They, they all dressed like garb. For, so the people mm-hmm. at one time thought that that was actually a prisoner camp where we brought <laughs> Iraqi. Why so, do they have Mogadishu set up? Uh, because that's during the, that's the time that we were we were fighting in, in, in Iraq. So they built the town to look the same way that it was going to look so when Marines went to train, it was literally what, you know, it was a train-to-trainer uh, company mm-hmm. that would develop this training. And the mm-hmm. cars literally... The cars look like the cars that they brought down from Iraq, bro. Like but I'm little, confused. Mogu, I thought Mogadishu was in Somalia. Oh, no, no. I'm on my bad. I'm back. Baghdad. And, uh, okay, and, uh, okay. I'm like, yeah, why I'm are we still doing Mogadishu? That was us. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was built like Baghdad in Ramadan. Okay, okay. Like, you know, okay. My bad, bro. Yeah, you're, you're correction. So, so it was all like, it was crazy. Like, so it was like, you know, you went in there and you did vehicle checkpoints. You did, you know, like we drove MRAPs and did convoys in that thing, in that town. It was crazy. It was like little miniature Iraq deployment. What? Minus the real bullet and the real bomb. 
So what, you know, so what was your MOS at this time? I was no 369 at the time already, like an infantry unit leader. Okay. So, so, so you finished that. So okay. you were gone for three months, right? So you did 29 pumps. Then you went to Bridgeport, did the package for 30 days there. Then you did the 30-day package at Little Iraq and Riverside. <laughs> and then you would come back down to Camp Pendleton for the last remaining two months. And then you would start doing all your PME training. You would do, uh, you start doing all your patrolling packages and all that. And then the last two weeks, you would do the workups with the Navy. And then you would come back. You would take your your vacation, your 10 day vacation again. And then you would come back and you would start the packing so you could deploy again for six months. That sounds fucking terrible. That sounds like nothing like what we did. God damn. Bro, it was crazy, man. Like, I, I was never home. So I was literally gone for three straight years, and Claudia would see me only in the base. The, the kids would only see me like Yeah, Yeah, Claudia was like, whoop, whoop. And three years? Jesus, no, not, not, not until I deployed because, I mean, that's six months that I'm back. I'm not getting any combat pay tax-free or nothing like that. I know, but she didn't have to see your punk ass, so she was like, holla. And so I came home all stinky and everything, and my socks were dirty. And she'd be like, "Get dressed in the, get undressed in the garage," and I would get hosed down. Oh there. my god, I, that's no way to treat a veteran. So I would. So when I got back after my third deployment, getting back on track, I called the monitor and I go, "Look, man, I I've been gone for three years. I I need a break. You know, like I I want to go to base." Send me to base. I don't care. Send me to like uh, Marine Corps base. I'll run the, you know, go to work at the regimental range or something like that doesn't deploy. I just wanted to be home with my family for, for the next three years. So he ends up calling me and tells me, he goes, well, let me check what I can do for you. He calls me the next day and I talk to him. He's like, look, man, he goes, I want to take care of you, but I need you to do me a favor. And I was like, what favor are you asking now? He goes, look, I got a hot pill that I need to fill up, and I don't have any staff NCOs that can take it. It's a tour to Okinawa, Japan. And I was like, shit, I, have to, I just came from overseas. You're trying to send me overseas again? He goes, I go, if I go to Okinawa, will you send me with my family? He goes, absolutely. He goes, the, what's the, I go, what's the hot field? Well, the hot field was to go work for a company called PRT, which was Tactics Reconnaissance and Training uh, Regiment. Technically, mm -hmm. it's nothing but O3s that are attached to 3rd MLG, and we teach them how to patrol, convoy, and get them ready to deploy. That was all that we did. If they had to go do a fire package you know we taught 50 cows mark 19 every organic weapon that the military has we would teach them so they could be ready to go into combat and support the grunt so mm -hmm. i was like i called i talked about claudia and i told her this this is the offer he goes if you take it now the monitor told me if you take it when you come back i'll take care of you man because this is a hot fill and i need and i goes, i know you just got back for three years deploying and you know you want to rest but i need to fill this so claudia agreed so i take off to Love okinawa you. japan 
I wasn't Chloe? I wasn't with PRT Chloe? for more than three months Chloe? before they moved me to take over as the headquarters commandant for the thirty first meal. I right? deployed oh. I, in in two years I deployed five times. Wait a minute, so you didn't stay in Okinawa? I stayed in Okinawa, but the 31st Mew is located in Okinawa. And the 31st Mew is a unit that, like, when Mateo flies to Okinawa, they fly over there and then they do their training and they go in country or they Korea, mm-hmm. they do all their training. So when I got there, I did a deployment with 2131, 1524, and 34. God damn. God damn. So I was fucking gone the entire, I was pissed, man, beyond pissed. After my fifth deployment, I called him. I go, dude, I, I, I have not been home. My family didn't see me for two years in Okinawa. I was gone all the time, bro. Like, and the battalion, the way that the rotations go over there, you get no time off. So as soon as the deployment happened, it ends, and they're already packing the Marines that, that, that are leaving, literally are taking the same planes of the new battalion that is coming in. So they do a tag team, like, you got it now. And then, like, I was only, like, when they got back, I only had about a 12 to 15-day rest period because since we're not the battalion, we don't get deployment vacation like they do. So I would be home for about 14, 15 days, and then, boom, I was on ship already gone again. So when you finished that, you didn't even... you you So when I... So when I finished that, I asked them to give me some orders. And at this time, I already knew that eventually I was going to retire in Texas. So I, you know, I started calling around like uh, the INI duty because I was like, you know what? I'm going to still have about four and a half years, five years left. So if I take an INI, I won't have enough time for the Marine Corps to be able to transfer me to another unit because they're going to say like, in order for you to be able to take these orders, you have to have a minimum of 18 months. Well, I wouldn't have had that. Mm-hmm. So I was, mm-hmm. was going to play the system and be like, I'll accept it because you, you, don't, you don't have to report retirement until the earliest is I can report retirement. If I wanted to retire next month, I can be like, hey, I'm done. Put my papers in. I want to retire next month. <laughs> the, the earliest you can do is 13 months. Mm. So... I called all these units. I called Corpus. I called Austin. I called Houston. And all of them had openings. And they were getting ready to rotate. Well, I got really in good with the guy down in Corpus Christi. And I was working with Mall 37. It's a marine aviation unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so after talking to them and everything, they were like, hey, you know what? Everything's good. At first, you didn't want to give me the order. So the, the senior O 369 in, in Japan went ahead and talked to the monitors like look man this guy's been deployed he's done in in just six years he's deployed nine times you need to give him a fucking break like he, you're burning him out so he finally was like fine so he gave me the orders to mall 35 and that's when claudia and i we came back to the united states and i came to san antonio and i bought the house in san antonio because i was like you know what, I'll just commute from Corpus to San Antonio like on the weekends because since I was going to the air wing, I was like, I can get a barracks room down there because I know they're, mm-hmm. they're going to have plenty of room. 
So he gives me the orders. We execute orders. I come back to Okinawa. And he turns around and everything's good. When I got back, I got a call from the S1 saying that the monitor had canceled my orders. Wow. This is after I bought the house. Well, the monitor's an asshole. Right. He is a fucking asshole. So, so he, he canceled my orders. And I end up calling him back and I explained to him what's going on. And I was like, and this is a new monitor now. So, so he's not accepting any type of arrangements that I had with the press monitor. Mm-hmm. Even after I told him, like, look, man, I did this. He goes, it doesn't matter. So what ended up happening is that the monitor was hooking up one of his friends to take over that unit. So he canceled my orders to give it to one of his buddies. Psycho, what 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 rank is the monitors normal normally? A master gun, a E nine. Oh, so all the monitors are always gonna be your master guns. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They're E nine. Yeah, they're E nine. So he canceled my orders, and I give him a call, and I go, dude, I just bought a house and everything, and a typical monitor response is, oh well. He goes, he goes, but I'll I'll take care of you. He goes, so I'm gonna give you three options. You pick one. Or I'll pick it for you," he said. "I'll give you East Coast, West Coast, or special billet. You know how fucking big of an option East Coast is, <laughs> or West Coast. Dude, that could be. I'm gonna end up at, at, at you, you know forty nine pounds with a, a, a grunt unit again. Yeah. After I got back from doing battalion. So I was like, nah, when I, obviously there was no, and then he's like, if you don't want any of them, your your last choice is don't accept anyone and get out of the Marine Corps. Damn. Why yeah, would they like, want? Why wouldn't they want to keep someone with so much experience? Uh, I don't know, bro. So by that time, like I said, uh, when I did, I started doing the numbers. And I'm like, well, if I go to to Camp Pendleton, you know, I can find myself deploying constantly over and over. I do the East Coast, mm-hmm. it'll be the same thing. So I was like, what's going to pay me more money? So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and take the special duty assignment. So he goes, what do you want to do? I go, send me no FOI. And that's how I became an uh, <laughs> infantry training battalion. I became the uh, the chief instructor there. And I went there at the gunny. So now I was receiving Camp Pendleton BAH, which was great. I was receiving... All the money, uh, like for special duty assignment and everything, uniforms. And Claudia was living in San Antonio at the time because since we bought the house, I was like, just stay there, put the kids in school. Because I didn't want to, if I would have kept the kids with me, I would have had to take Abby and Andrew, most likely Andrew, I would have had to take him out of his, out of high school and put him in a new school his senior year. And I didn't want to go ahead and do that. I was like, I wanted them to establish a a, you know, friendship that they were going to be able to have after graduation. So I made the struggle to stay in California by myself. My wife came to Texas and I would just fly like every month I was flying to Texas. Every month. I I took a flight. I had enough points. I was racking up the points. And uh, I think once I finished the, the special duty assignment school and I checked in and took over uh, Delta Company uh, in ITB. I did mm-hmm. three cycles with them 
and I got promoted to Mass Art at my Tiny, shut 15 up. and a half mark, 15 and a half year mark. Yeah, 15 and a half year mark, I got promoted. You there, right? Yeah. Yeah, at 15 and a half, I picked up Mass Art, so I could no longer be in the, in the uh, special duty instructor, so the star major from ITB asked me to become the operations chief for infantry training battalion. So I took over as the operations chief for infantry training battalion. And I did that for three years. So, so the reason why I retired is because I had been away from my family for about four and a half years by that time, not to include the, and I was, I was missing too much and I was like, done already. When I got screwed over, that literally like sealed the deal that I was done at 20. Shit, my wife would have been like, look, you just as long as you keep sending that check home, you stay your ass out there in California. Keep sending that BEH home. Yeah. Like, we don't need to see your ass. We got FaceTime, bitch. Yeah. But, dude, that's that's one of the things when I meet, the, you know, when I'm at work and I meet these guys that's in a core, and that's the main reason they're telling me that they're getting out is because the rotational workup. It's not like when we were in, you know, we no. have like a year, you know, we have like okay, a year and a half months? of workup for the MUSOC and stuff and get deployed. These dudes were saying they were coming back six months later. They're going back to the goddamn sandbox. Exactly. Fuck that. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what did it, man. And, I, you know, eventually I just called it quits and I was like, it's time to go ahead and, and close this chapter and start a new chapter and... um. I think my was it my nineteenth and a half year mark. I got selected to master gun, and uh, I declined it. I I sent a letter to uh, headquarters Marine Corps saying that I was not uh, not to consider me for promotion, that I would not be accepting, that I was submitting for retirement, and they removed me and they gave my my number was given to the next selection whoever got it. They gave it to Chim Chim. No, they gave oh, no, it to uh, 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 Hiron, big head ass. <laughs> Cranium man. Yeah. Is that when you yeah. was uh, Chim Chim's boss? Were you as a uh, SOI? At ITV, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's why he stopped calling talking to me because technically I'm the one that that weighed him in and escalated him. I slaughtered him. You, you, made, him, could, you made him upset. Like so, so Tim Tim was on weight control and SOI for. He was an SOI for five years because he couldn't execute orders. Because while you're on on weight control, you can't accept orders. So they kept putting them in like these shitty duties where like, um, ITB maintenance battalion where they went out and cut the weeds on the ranges. Oh and, God damn! You know, so you know year after year, and then he was like Shit. over thirty something, forty something pounds overweight, and like. So he was on weight control the whole entire time. So when I was already the operations chief, you know, he came in and the sergeant major had called me. It's like, hey, um, you know, we got to do the weigh-ins. So I would do weigh-ins on him and be like, hey, man, you're you're still over. And he goes, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm working on it. And then I would report the numbers to the sergeant major. So the sergeant major already, uh, like the command already had their eyes on him. They already wanted to process him for separation for being overweight. What was his rank at that time? He was a staff sergeant. Uh, he was a staff sergeant. So um, when that happened, uh, I he went ahead and weighed in the, the battalion. 
star major came up. It's like, hey, uh, I need you to bring in staff star Casanova, and I need you to do a final weigh on. If he's over, then we're going to submit his letter to headquarters Marine Corps for admin separation for failure to meet standards because he's been on weight control for so long already. Um, if he's over, then he's good. Well, when he came in, you know, he was, I think he weighed in about, well, I called him the day that he was supposed to be in because they wanted him in that day. And I kind of covered for him because he was like, he, he was over, but he's like, he said at the time that he was like seven or eight pounds over. I go, look, man, I'm going to tell Star Major that you're out of town right now and that you're in LA that you can't make it today. So from right now to tomorrow morning, you need to get yourself in the gym, sweat it out, wear a bag, you know, take some, uh, you know, magnesium citrate and, you know, shit all that food out, whatever you got, just so you can try to make weight, just so you can make weight. So he's like, all right, man, all right. Well, he didn't end up doing that. The next morning he showed up and I go, have you been working out? He goes, no, fuck that. You know, like I'm sick and tired of this. You know, I'm sick and tired of playing games. I'm like, bro, go do your thing. He goes, you don't have to do weigh-in until 10 o'clock in the morning. Go away and go do the weigh-in. I'm telling you right now, there's nothing... Well, he didn't, he ended up taking off. Well, he went to go ahead and meet his wife and eat. Mm. And when he came in at, at, you know, when he came back at 10 o'clock, he had to weigh in. And he came out over. And I go, dude, you're over by fucking seven pounds. He goes, I'm going to have to submit you up. They're going to process for termination now with this. At that point, he wanted me to falsify the document and say that he was right at weight. But I was like, dude, I can't do that because you're already skylined. The only thing that matters now is if I tell him that you're right at weight, what happens if our major says, well, let me double check. I want to check. Mm. And my integrity goes out the door at that point. And at that point, when they'll never trust me at that point ever again. I'm like, I'm not going to put myself in that position. I go, I told you since yesterday to to do it. You didn't care. And you didn't care. You didn't care. And then when they finally started crossing him out, he started crying and like, how can they do this to me? I've been in the Marine Corps for like, you know, 15 and a half years. And you guys are going to kick me out. You know, have a wife and a kid. And I'm like, dude, you did it to yourself, man. You did it to yourself. Because all he had to do was make it to 18 years. It's always somebody else's fault. And once he hits 18 years, he makes sanctuary. Meaning that they have to allow him to retire at 18 years. Hmm. Even if he's fucking overweight, like by like a hundred pounds, they will let him finish off his last two years and retire at twenty. But he didn't want to do that. And when I did, when I did that, he pretty much cut me off and blamed me for him being kicked out of the Marine Corps. He blamed you for being fat. Oh yeah, for 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 terminating his his uh, military career. Lord. What's he doing now? Selling cars or something? But like, um, I. Who ran into him? Uh, Rat Forrest ran into him last year um, in Carlsbad. You know that Carlsbad Mall, the, out, mm-hmm. the, the, the yeah. outside yeah. Mall, Carlsbad. Um, mm-hmm. Not the one that uh, the Carlsbad Mall, but the other one that's off the five, the Highway Five, like going towards the uh, those strawberry fields and all that. Yeah. Like if you're going to San Diego, there's that outlet on the on the left hand side. Mm-hmm. Torres said that he actually stopped to go purchase some clothes and he pulled over and 
Casanova rolled up on him in one of those segways. <laughs> He was, was he a, a mall cop? He was a mall security. <laughs> he, was he was Paul, Paul Blart. Blart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Chim Chim. <laughs> wow. At least he had a segue. Fuck, he didn't have they, to walk. Didn't tell bro. Self-accountability. Jeez. Self-accountability, bro. It's always somebody else's fault. Nobody wants to take it. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that, that was... That was whole the whole reason how i ended up and why i did so long and why i decided to just call it quit you know it's just i've been away and missed so much with my family that i i, I, I couldn't do it anymore well fuck at least you got your retirement though i mean but i did get my retirement yes yeah i mean fuck it at that point so i'm gonna ask y'all one this question okay i'm gonna harris you yeah. first systemic racism in america does it exist No. Manny, systemic no. racism in America, does it exist? It only exists because people bring it up. Okay. Are there but racist people exactly. in America? Yes, and yes. there always will be. There's racist people in the world. Okay. That's 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 pretty much my, my out view, too. I, I don't think there's racism at a systemic level because there's nothing you know, that like the, the thing is that, that you know like people say that you know that we are a racist country or whatever, but they have no clue how far we have made it in in this world. I mean, fuck, man, we had a black president. How racist mm-hmm. can we when the past prior president was black? Right. And white people had to vote for him to win, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's the end of part one. Join us next week for part two. Bye, bitches. All right, that's us for another PM. Fuck your mother. You've been listening to the Louisiana Saturday Night Podcast. Join us next time. But in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter at LSN Podcast. And find us on Facebook at Louisiana Saturday Night Podcast. Every night until further notice. Go! Okay, bye now. Goodbye.